This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. All right, Dynasty Podcast live from Dynasty HQ in Pilsen. Haima Black here for another week in a long year-long streak of weeks. And I am here with a first-timer on the podcast here, uh, Emily Blue. Thank you so much for coming up. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff on, uh, before the mic was on, and there's a lot of really cool stuff to cover tonight with you. But um, I always kind of start at the beginning with these interviews. So what I would love to know, you know, just right off the bat to kind of set the tone here is just like, how did music start for you? Bring us into you starting as a musician. Like, kind of tell us that story. Okay. I'll have to shorten it quite a bit. So, but feel free. <laughs> I mean, it's a podcast, though, you know? Yes. Um, let's see. So, I started playing music when I was five and I took piano lessons. Um, I learned flute when I was in middle school and high school, and I almost went to college for that, but then I decided it was too restrictive. The way that, you know, classical music is taught kind of killed my vibe a little bit. <laughs> so, okay. um, and I started writing songs um, when I was 13, and I didn't really sing seriously until I was maybe 16 because I was too shy in that way. Um, and then I joined a band called Terra Terra, or rather we created it as mm-hmm. it went on, and then that band actually recently broke up, and here I am as myself doing pop music, which is my heart and soul. So. Okay, so that is the condensed version. Yes. When you're joining a band, because you kind of went from being like shy to like joining a band, like how did you kind of overcome that apprehension or anxiety or whatever? I was just so determined to write that... It was just like a vessel to convey a message or my lyrics or whatever, but I wasn't very good at singing at first at all. There's a hilarious album that I made when I was 16 that I will never, ever let anyone hear. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I mean, it just shows like I had ideas and I was putting them together, but I just didn't have the sort of like muscle training for it yet. Right. And I just plowed through it through years of kind of like condensed learning and vocal lessons and stuff like that. So So it's just like this incremental bit by bit process. And then and then so you form this band with friends, strangers? Um, friends, uh, at the U of I, which is where I went okay. to college. So in it Champagne. was yeah, Joey on drums and Nick on bass and Colin on guitar. And if you like look us up on the internet you can see us all being nerds together, which is <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> So when you're in that environment, are you um, kind of getting out of your shell and becoming more comfortable? Are you like, is it reassuring having other collaborators in the mix? Uh, I think it can go either way because sometimes when you rely on other people's opinion or validation for your ideas, or if you're collaborating, you definitely want them to approve of something. Sure. And then sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're like, I don't like that idea. And you're right. like, oh, well. All right. (laughs) What am I going to do with that then? I guess we can't use it. Right. It's sort of a give and take with um, that kind of band. But now that I'm more of a solo artist, I kind of pave my own path a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And when did the solo thing start? So, like, so you're in the band, and then when do you start to kind of be like, okay, like, this exists over here, and I'm going to start veering into my own space? 
Um, I started doing my solo project in the midst of being in that band because I had this album that I really wanted to record called Another Angry Woman. Um, right. And so that's out and everything. But yeah, it was a message that I thought that I could tell better alone rather right. than, especially since it has so much to do with gender and like my experiences and the rest of the band was dudes that have never really gone through stuff like that. Um, so yeah, then I just sort of made a name for myself with that album and stuck to it. And when you released that, were you living in uh, Champaign still or had you come to Chicago? Um, I was in Champaign, I believe, but there was this, mo- there was this, stage of my life where I kind of lived in Chicago and Champaign at the same time. Okay. I would Greyhound like every weekend here. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that just the worst or? Uh, <laughs> yes, but it <laughs> also was the best because, um, so I moved to Chicago in the middle of my college process, like maybe so I hadn't finished my degree yet, but I loved mm-hmm. the music scene so much. And there were some things in Champaign that I wanted to get away from that I mm-hmm. was here for. And then I decided to go back to school, but instead just, you know, flip-flop every week. Okay. Um, so you were living so. in two, like, and not like close cities. It's not like you were in like Evanston and Chicago where it's just like a like 20-minute L ride. Yeah. How challenging was that to like, you know, were there days where you're like, Motherfucker, my phone charger is back in Champaign. You know, like... Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've gone through so many chargers. <laughs> I just I just feel like that would be... I mean, did that help your creative process, or was it taxing being in two environments? Um, well, that's such a good question. I mean, the three-hour Greyhound ride is really good for writing. Okay. I... Also, I write a lot of songs in the car now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just be at the steering wheel and, like, beat on the steering wheel and sing to myself. That's how <laughs> I write a lot of songs. And so I, I drive now back to Champaign, and sure. I, I do the same thing. But um, it was taxing in that I felt like I didn't really ha- have a home. Right. Like, I'd get here and have two backpacks and just wait at a coffee shop until, like, a friend would you know, allow me to come so take a just shower like on the couch. Yeah. Like, oh my God, man. It's see, and you're younger, you're in your twenties. Mm-hmm. I only mean younger than me. And it's like, when you're in your twenties, that kind of thing is like fun and romantic. And then like, when you're in your thirties, you're like, I need a clean bed yeah. with like my own pillow yeah. and a shower with my own clothes. Like you just become this, like, like people now are like, you ever going to go to Coachella? And I'm like, fuck no, I'm 35. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like that, though, too. <laughs> I feel like it, the moving all the time reached a breaking point recently because I was moving, like, every two months. Yeah. Um, it was... And, yeah. So I just moved again. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is the last time I'm doing this because as far as, you know, changing locations... Right. ...over and over, it just really takes a toll on your mental health. Oh, and yeah. And that's a thing that I've been realizing. It's like, I want a couch, I, or I want a bed, I want a shower that I can just... A door that locks? Yeah. Yeah. My, my space. Um, right. And my roommates... We all want my space we back. We do. We want my space <laughs> back. Facebook is dead. Right. No, no, no. But absolutely, <laughs> like, having your own environment is absolutely crucial, for sure. Um, all right, so you get to Chicago, you're recording, you release your first album, and then what's that process like? How are people receiving you as a solo artist? Did it take a long time to get on people's radar? Like, bring us into that era. Um, well, with Another Angry Woman, I had so much community 
support because of what it was for. Like the album sales go to races, which is, um, oh my gosh, I wish I could remember what the acronym actually stands for. I haven't said this in so long, but it's basically a survivor support network and resource center in Champaign. Okay. Um, So I had so much support in that way. And then in the no pain music video, there's a bunch of like assault survivors that hold up signs and tell their stories and stuff. Um, so it definitely had a bit of buzz either from me or from, you know, whatever else was involved. And then the other music that I make with my friend Max, so Rico Acid and Blackberries, mm-hmm. that um, had more of a slow burn kind of thing. Because I, I feel like people were like, who is this? Like in Chicago, because I'm brand new, basically. Sure. But, you know, what's, what's nice about Chicago is that you can build a buzz if you are consistent in a relatively short time compared to like an L.A. or New York. It's yeah. like it's not so big of a city that if you're grinding and you're playing shows and you're putting out music and you're active on social media and you're collaborating and blah, 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 like people start to see that. Yeah. You know, and I've, I mean, I've seen that you've already gotten some write ups and stuff. So it's not like, you know, people aren't aware of who you are. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so so let's talk about the. Um, the Rico Acid video mm. because that is cool. Like, Thank you. if you're watching this right now, after this interview, well, after the interview with Drea, Vibe Dealer, who's up next, is over, um, Google the Rico Acid Emily Blue video. It'll be very easy to find and it's really visually interesting. So, so bring us into that video and talk about kind of that as a project. That was the <clears throat> coolest, most fun thing. I think that I have mm. out recently because I had never like artistically directed a video. Mm-hmm. Brandon Holmes and I had a very collaborative approach to it. So he is a genius with like camera angles and editing. Like his editing, that's why I was drawn to his work. I was like, hey man, we gotta make something. It's really professionally yeah. well produced. Thank you. It does not look like an amateur video. And look, there's nothing wrong with being an indie artist and having an amateur video. That thing is not that though, you know. It it feels very like it looks like one of these shorts you'd see on like Vimeo or at like you know some cool part of South by Southwest or something like that. You know, like it looks professional. Thank you. We shot it in my friend's photography studio, mm-hmm. and so um, I don't know. There's some studios for video that are really expansive in the color backgrounds, but we only had like this much space really right. to shoot the whole thing in. So we had to be kind of creative with how we played with that space. Um, I placed the girls and I in like different formations symmetrically and Mm -hmm. I had all these outfit changes and props that I brought pretty much like last minute. I stole my neighbor's flowers. I'm sorry for, (laughs) for the waving scenes. Yeah. Um, I was like, Ooh, this would be amazing. And it ended up being cool. Like, you know, you have the idea in your head and you're like, I got to do it. So how close is the actual video to the concept you had in your head? Pretty accurate, which yeah. I'm really happy with, because a lot of times it doesn't turn out like that, you know? And that was your first time directing a video concept? Yeah, I would say that I, like, artistically directed. I did the art direction, so the styling and the colors that we chose, we were like, ooh, let's do blue on this side and pink for the lighting. And Blue and pink is just, like, you can't lose with blue and pink. It's amazing. It's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been some great tweets, like, where... You know, they're talking about how this is the year of like kind of like blue and or like the last couple of years in cinema have been like a lot of blue and violet hues, whether it's like Neon Demon or John Wick or Logan. But like it's just, man, you throw like kind of like bluish violet, like 
Violet or pink and blue. Everyone looks hot in that lighting. Yeah. Everyone. It's awesome. There you go. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. boom. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need that. Like, I'm going to put that lighting in here and have that kind of illuminate the live stream. I think that's the next step for this podcast. That sounds next level. I think, actually, now, now that I'm like, sometimes I say things on this podcast, I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. And now I'm like, wait, that's a thing we should actually do. That would be so cool. Um, so now that you have done that video, do you see yourself... Um, you know, kind of spearheading more of your visual elements or is that kind of like a, like, oh, that was cool to do one time or? Uh, it's definitely motivated me in that way because I had so much fun doing that. But um, I do have a video coming out in April for uh, Cellophane, which is the single I'm going to put out this month. Okay. And we had so much fun shooting it because I had done um, a shoot with Brandon earlier and then we had this like scheduling mishap where we only had three hours to shoot the video. Right. So I actually had to reshoot it with my other friend Sarah and figure out with very little budget how to make, you know, the colors and everything happen. So we built a set out of paper mache. We built a 1950s kitchen out of paper mache with um, the set designer name, whose name is Olivia. That's amazing. It's gonna be so exciting. I like, can't even talk. I can't even express how excited I am for it. It's gonna be fun. But it's it's amazing how much you can accomplish with limited means now. Yeah. If you're really creative, if you're very resourceful, um, I listen to a lot of filmmaking podcasts because when I am listening to a podcast, I want it to be about something that I don't do. Yeah. You know, I want to be like, okay, I'm going to turn my brain off and like listen to somebody else's creative process or I'll listen to like food podcasts and things like that. But, but I listen to a lot of filmmaker podcasts and I hear so many like, you know, indie directors, you know, filmmakers who do like, you know, little independent shorts, like those kind of things, not the like Michael Bay's of the world. And they talk about just like how they get things done on this like shoestring budget with a minimal skeleton crew and they still put something really cool together. Yeah. I always think that that's such a like, really awesome kind of just concept, yeah. you know, to, to really activate on such a DIY level. I definitely agree. My friend Joe, who um, is in the band with me, he's one of his favorite groups is called Clipping, and mm-hmm. for one of their records, they had rules that they set in place before they got into writing or whatever, because it, it forces you to think in a box, which kind of makes you think outside of your normal box sure. at the same time. So, yeah. Nice. And so you said that there's new there's a new single cellophane coming this month in March? Yes, it's coming March 30th. That's our trajectory date, but everything's looking good. I just have to pick the album artwork. Is it going to be just one song? Is it like, does it have a B-side? Or is it part of a larger thing? Or are you just kind of doing these like one-off singles for right now? Um, I've been working on an EP with Max, who did Rico S and Blackberries for mm-hmm. months for so long it feels like and we've just been putting together these songs so cellophane is the first of many mm-hmm. and we plan to do a video for each song that's awesome so it's quite an undertaking but i think we were listening to the music and we're like there's no way that we can't or that we won't have a video for this because it's so visual the way that we like yeah it, you know well i can't wait to see that i mean just based off the rico acid video it's like that again is really visually striking um, so there's a lot of other things you do as well. So just in no order, there was a track you did. Um, let me scroll through my notes here. And it's really a stunning song. Um, Empower, in parentheses, We Grow. So that's a track you did with, like, Yomi, uh, Rick Wilson, and, like, like a staggering list of other talents. So talk about that song and, and kind of collaborating on a level where there's that many people involved. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
Well, I started with the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really think very much of it. I just had this message that I wanted to get across. Um, and then the Las Vegas shooting happened. Yeah. And the rest of the song just came immediately because I was, like, so overwhelmed by how unacceptable that is. And, <clears throat> yeah. you know, I was thinking how amazing the community in Chicago is. And just, I posted on Instagram, does anyone want to, you know, make this? And, I mean, again, like, if you look on the band camp, if you look on the Emily Blue band camp with that song, there's, I'm guessing, maybe, like, 13 collaborators. Yeah. Or something like that. It's, like, a, it's a long list. Yeah, there's a lot of collaboration. Um, Gem Tree has a pretty long verse on the song, and it's amazing. And um, we have Cello from Moonrise Nation, which is mm-hmm. a band that I'm friends with. Um, I'm trying to, like, think of all this stuff. Emily Nichols from Carlisle and mm-hmm. Blue Park. I admire her quite a bit. I was happy to have all these people. Yeah, it, it looks like... And it wasn't one of these, like, forced weird collaborations where everyone has, like, a verse and it doesn't blend together. Like, it, it really it works very, very well, you know? Um, and then something else you did, I think, in the last year, year and a half, is you did a project with Yomi... Uh, that harpist we just had on the podcast last week, uh, is that still an active thing or was that a one-time thing or talk about your work with Yomi? We have two songs recorded and then like a few more songs written that we want to record, but as solo artists, you know, it's kind of hard to to manage a bunch of projects. So there's no set date for when those will happen, but I definitely hope that they still do because it's always amazing to work with someone that you love. Yeah. And she's super talented. Yeah. Her work's really good. Definitely. So, okay, so and I think we're covering a lot of the music stuff, but again, let me know if we're leaving something out because I wanted to transition into something you told me that I didn't know about uh, before the mics were on, that you are a host at Audio Tree. Yes. Talk about what your role is there and how did that develop? How did that come together? I'm pretty much do what you're doing right now. So there you go. <laughs> Except for I'm more awkward and no, I'm have sure less right. of a rhythm to it. <laughs> I've done this for 75 years. That's that's the only reason I'm even halfway decent at it. Yeah, I feel like, well, some of the sessions, if you're interested, humans of Earth that are watching, you can find me doing these sessions. And some of them are horribly awkward. And some of them are really, really fun. Like the one that I did with this band called Mom Jeans. Yeah, it just yeah. was so smooth and felt really natural. And then my first audio tree session, the band gave me a sausage on the air. And I was like, well, thank you. And there's this like picture of me with the sausage. But yeah, Weird. it's a really cool job. Um, I'm grateful to work in the place that I've recorded before. I, yeah. I feel really comfortable. Like it gives me a sense of purpose. And um, this, my coworkers are all amazing. So, Again, yeah. everything I ever hear about working with like Shuba's Lincoln Hall, it just sounds like an awesome, it you is. know, Shuba's Lincoln Hall audio tree. It just yes. sounds like an awesome family over there. Um, and I, we've had a lot of contributors on this podcast who have in the past worked with Shubas Lincoln Hall or currently work with Shubas Lincoln Hall. And again, it just sounds like a great space. I did a couple shows there, God, like 11 years ago, so long time ago. But, but I mean, Shubas Lincoln Hall is a great space. And so how did you kind of come across that gig? Like, how did that come together? Well, I recorded an album there with Tara Tara, mm-hmm. and we just existed there for a whole summer, basically. Oh, okay. So you were just there all the time? All the time. Somebody yeah. was like, do you want to start doing some interviews, or was that your idea? I was like, hey, I would like to permanently live in Chicago. Can you please hire me? 
Uh, I love it. So, that's the know, direct approach. You just approach. gotta ask for what you want. Sometimes people will give it to you, and sometimes they won't, and that's okay too. No, it's it's very true. It's like that. It's kind of like, yeah. I was gonna make like a nerdy comic reference. It's like a Peter Parker kind of thing. Just like, holy shit, I need money to live. So please pay me. <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's that's really valid. Yeah. So okay, so you're doing that with Audio Tree. You're recording music under your own name. You have all these collaborations. Like, not that that's not enough, but I want to make sure we're not leaving anything out. Like, what else is on deck for you in 2018 in case we missed anything? So, let me see. I got to summarize in my head. We got the cellophane coming out this mm-hmm. month, cellophane video next month, some super secret songs to follow sure. um, off the... So Max's um, stage name is Pelican Boy. So okay. our operation, we call it Blue Pelican. So the Blue Pelican EP is nice. coming. And then I'm also working on an EP with my friend Joe, who is in my band and Fay Ray, which is another Chicago band. Um, and that's like darker, more... I don't know how to describe it. It's more, it's more serious music. Okay. All right. Because... My music that I make with Max is humorous in a way and very, like, wacky. Right. Which I think is amazing for me to have that opportunity because Terra Terra was also very serious. Nice. You know what I mean? So you get to, you're, you're flexing a lot of creative muscles right now. Yeah, I just really want to make things, and I want to yeah. do it as best I can, so... And you're doing cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So you got film, you've got, you know, or, you know, you've got the videos you're directing, you've got music, you've got audio tree, you are, you got your collaborations, you're, you're doing the work, man. I've been pretty busy. Yeah. But Sarah, Sarah directed Cellophane. I don't want to take credit for that one because she's killing it. And so, you know, kind of final question. And and I should say this, like, and I always mean it when I say this, you know, this podcast has been going on a long time. We love bringing people back um, as they have new developments in their career. Um, So... Please, like, you know, I would love to view this as kind of like part one of an ongoing discussion as you have new things going on. But, you know, now that you're in Chicago, now that you're active as kind of a full-time artist and creative, you're, you're working in that space, like, how does that feel? You know, like coming from Champagne and like, and then coming from being really shy as a teenager and not letting anyone hear your music, how does it feel to be at this point now? It feels amazing and overwhelming, both positively and negatively, because I think the thing I struggle with the most is still my self-confidence. It's not, it's not that I don't have a community and it's not that like people don't believe in me. It's just that sometimes I don't believe in myself. So last night, for example, or last, last night I had a show at HVAC and Mm -hmm. there was a moment where I just like realized that I was on stage, you know? And I was like, Oh my God, what if I look stupid? But that's so that's it. And yeah. and I think that I'm proud of myself for doing it this long and working through those feelings because those are natural feelings. Everybody has that. I think everybody does. Absolutely. We Everyone... don't talk about it at all, but everybody does. No, and, and I think that's a good point. It is important to recognize that like everybody just shows up to whatever they're doing and it's just like I hope this works. I know. You that's know? my whole entire philosophy is just yeah. do it anyway. <laughs> do it any- yeah, absolutely. You just you just show up and you do it, and then if there's something that you're like, oh, that could have gone better, that just means you do it better next time. And if it works, you're like, great, I showed up and I did it. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. My friend was like, you know, even professionals make mistakes. Like, Everyone, everybody, and everybody's their own worst, harshest critic. It's so true. But I think, yeah, to go back to your question, my feeling overall is just gratitude, you know? Because yeah. I'm working really hard, and I have a really strong support network that 
I wouldn't be able to do anything without them. So I'm really grateful to be here. That's awesome, man. I love it. It's a really positive story. I love the music. Uh, I love the videos. I think they're really cool. And I'm excited to see what you do next. Me um, too. I hope it's good. It will be. <laughs> it will be. And the important thing is you're doing it. Where can people find your music? How can they follow you on social? Like, give you the URLs. They can find me at emilybluemusic.com. You can find all my stuff on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way I get paid. So There you go. And okay. this podcast, Dynasty Podcast, just arrived on Spotify. And then, then they took us off. Uh, no, <laughs> Spotify uh, just added Dynasty Podcast. So if you search Dynasty Podcast Chicagoverse, uh, you'll be able to find this interview. And the cool thing is, I, I love this. If you search any of the artists we've talked to in the last kind of two years since we rebooted uh, the podcast from our anniversary, a 10-year anniversary, like the podcast will show up in artist uh, results. So if you search like Emily Blue, this will, this will show up in your results along with your music. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. So uh, right on, Emily Blue, I'm really glad we got to start this conversation. Thank you so much for coming up. You're welcome to hang during Drea's interview if you'd like, and and we'll we'll keep this going in the future. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Yeah. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.